Hello and welcome to Audiobooks All Day Podcast. My name is Jeff. And my name is Kevin. And today is Chapter 2. For Chapter 2, I decided to read Dracula. And let me tell you why. So, I first got introduced to the book Dracula, well, pretty much from hundreds of movies and stories and ghost stories and pretty much pretty much living in America during Scary October. Decorations. Yeah, there's there's pretty you pretty much can't spit in the month of October without hitting something that has to do with Dracula. And the thing about it is that I had gone my whole life and I realized at one point that I had never read the book Dracula, the original book Dracula by Bram Stoker. Which which is so interesting because you just think like there are hundreds of different movies, well, maybe not hundreds, but there are tons of different movies and stories and things that like you're familiar with, but like going back to the original 1897 version, you know, yeah, I don't think that a lot of people think about that. Yeah, it, it was just the craziest thought to me because it's like, I know the story of Dracula, and then I thought, do I actually know the story of Dracula? It's like, of course I know how I know it, but when you really came down to it, I didn't know the story. So, and I had this thought as I was actually on Spotify. I was just cruising through Spotify, and I saw there was a section called audiobooks. And so I went into it, and I was just cruising through it. And there were a lot of different um, renditions of the audiobook. And I actually, the first one I'd ever found was actually by Christopher Christopher Lee, who is um, a really famous actor. He's Saruman in um, Lord of the Rings, you know, that wizard, and which is an amazing movie, by the way. But getting back to Dracula, I saw that he was narrating it, and he has that deep timber of a bass voice, and I just like, I can't, you can't lose with having Christopher Lee read a book to you. And I saw it was Dracula, and I thought, well... I'd never really known the story. So I decided I'm going to read Dracula. I'm going to listen to Dracula. And it was really an amazing experience. And before we really get into everything, I want to tell you a bit about the book. Now, just so you know, I'm going to tell, we're going to talk about the book in its entirety. So there are definite spoilers. Um, but the book's been around since like 1897, so if you haven't read it, that's on you. Yeah, so I mean, we don't we don't really feel bad about giving a few spoilers. And uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm just looking at our recorder, and I was really really loud when I laughed. So sorry about that. The so Dracula, like my brother said, it was um, written in 1897 which was a super long time ago, and the book's been around for, well, since then. And like I said earlier, it was by, it's written by Bram Stoker. Bram was a nickname for Abraham was his first name. And it's really written in a crazy way. So it's not written from the traditional third-person omniscient narrator perspective that most books, most fiction books are written in. It was It's written purely through... Uh, journal entries through diary entries captain's logs it's just anytime somebody wrote something down newspaper articles it's written from all these snippets from these people's lives and the memories that they're recording so it's a very different perspective from the traditional 
way that books are written. I'd never seen it before. Jeff, had you ever seen that before? No, but um, I Am Legend, though, when we get into that, is written kind of in that mm. way, too, where it's just a bunch of individual stories that are kind of weaved together, but it's told in the first person. I mean, I guess it, so are these letters. But that's something that's really interesting because really, like, it's everybody's that's kind of surrounding this occasion of Dracula coming essentially to England um, and trying to get a foothold there. All of the people that kind of come in contact with Dracula along that journey, all the way from the main character, well, one of the main characters finding him in Transylvania, which we'll get into, all the way to, you know, uh, England and then back to Transylvania, is all written from just these different people's perspectives. And it really is a really cool way to tell a story just because it makes it really believable. You know, it's like you're reading a snippet as if it was real. And uh, it's just a cool way to tell a story. I think it's called like, you know what? I have no idea what it's called. It's, I think oh, it's epistolary. 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 Yeah, it's, it's a, a, called epistolary format. Well, Kevin had read it. Um, and he had read it on Spotify, and that's one of the few books where we kind of deviate from the app Overdrive. Uh, it's one of the few occasions, but mine was actually read by a different author, but it's the same version. Uh, and I found it just on Overdrive, and the big reason, Overdrive suggests books, and it had suggested a few of the classic horror uh, film, or uh, sorry, books, and one of those was Dracula, and I thought that since it was around Halloween when it suggested it, I thought that it would be a great way to... Um, go ahead and, and listen to the book and it came highly recommended from Kevin and it's a classic book and it sounds like everybody should have read it so for all those reasons I read it yeah and so now let's now let's dive into the story of Dracula so it starts off with the diary entries of a man named Jonathan Harker and Jonathan Harker um, goes to Count Dracula's castle and his whole purpose of being there is that he is coming on behalf of his boss. His boss is a real estate broker. So Jonathan shows up at Count Dracula's place to essentially sell real estate. Um, Dracula had requested to buy certain real estate in London and they bring in Jonathan Harker and now he's gonna sell him real estate. And honestly, I never saw that in the movies <laughs> where where Dracula was, was coming in a real estate tycoon, you know. Yeah, big investor. <laughs> yeah, so I, I thought that was I thought that was that was really interesting and something that kind of hooked me, you know, in that part of the story. Anyway, so Jonathan, when he first meets Dracula, he's really kind of smitten with him because he's very proper. You know, he's tall, he's gaunt, he's kind of an imposing figure, but he's very, very proper, very classy. But just as they start to spend time together, Jonathan starts to feel worried. And he starts to feel very intimidated by Dracula to the point where he feels like he's kind of like a prisoner. And like what any movie has taught us, when you're trapped and you feel like a prisoner in a castle, the first thing you do is you go explore that castle. So Jonathan went out and he was exploring the castle and he met um, these three vampiresses called the Three Sisters. And they, naturally, as vampires, they want to feed on him. But in a strange twist, Dracula actually comes in and saves Jonathan. And it's not till after that Jonathan starts to piece together that Dracula is a vampire. He hadn't put it together at this point. Yeah, and then at this point, you know, real estate tycoon Dracula decides that he needs to head for England to claim his uh, different properties that he is now kind of brokered through Jonathan. 
And so he actually sets sails and he leaves Jonathan in the castle. So imagine nasty castle, three scary <laughs> vampiruses, and you are by yourself. Well, he through a bunch of twists and turns winds up escaping. And at this point, you don't know what happens to Jonathan. And it just kind of throws it back onto, you know, this is kind of cool where the letters and things come in, come involved. Is now is a ship log from the captain that actually picks up Dracula and his strange cargo. Yeah, so Dracula, he brings himself and he brings 50 boxes, 50 coffin-sized boxes full of dirt. Not vampires, dirt. Just full of dirt. And Transylvanian dirt, which uh, Dracula has to use... And he has to sleep in every day to pretty much regain his powers. That's what he does during the day. He has to sleep. And that helps him regenerate his powers. Now the captain, in his captain's log, he starts to notice that one by one, his crew starts to disappear. Which is traditionally a bad thing. <laughs> when, you, when you're on a boat and your crew starts to disappear, that's usually a bad thing. And it gets to the point where he is just stuck at the helm. Because he's the only one left. Because he's the only one left. And finally they run aground in uh, England. And all he really sees is he just sees this figure escaping. And through the next little while, Dracula starts to move all of his coffins into these 50 different locations. He brought 50 boxes and he has 50 different locations or layers where he's put in around England so that he can have a place that if he's out hunting, he can go to different places at different times. And at this point, we kind of get introduced to quite the crazy love square. So uh, there's five individuals that now we're uh, introduced to. One is Harker's fiance. How convenient is that? We <laughs> has, he, he, Dracula's traveled the seas only to uh, meet Mina Murray who is the fiancé of Jonathan Harker, who is staying with her friend whose name is Lucy. So Lucy is holidaying in Whitby, where the uh, where this part of the story takes place, um, which is in England. Lucy is apparently really awesome because she gets three different marriage proposals by three different dudes. Those people's names are Quincy Morris, Arthur Holmwood, who for a bunch of the book is actually named Lord God Amig, Ming. I never really got the total way to say that, but uh, he becomes a lord. We'll uh, go with Arthur. Yeah, we'll just go with Arthur. Um, and then Dr. John Seward. And John Seward is actually the doctor of the insane asylum in, uh, in that town, which obviously, you know, is uh, pretty awesome, actually. So anyway, she, she receives these three marriage proposals and she decides to go to the rich guy whose name is Arthur Holmwood or Lord, what's his name? So she, he, she accepts his proposal, but for some reason they all kind of stay friends. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like New Girl-esque. It's just like they're all friends, but like one of, but then they started dating each other and anyway, it's kind of strange. Yeah, that happened um, in Friends too. Yeah, that too. So anyways, they, they all are still friends and it's kind of at this point when uh, Dr. Seward who is, uh, you know, the guy over the insane asylum, starts to refer to one of his patients. So one of his patients' name is Renfield. And Renfield just keeps having these, you know, weird tics. He starts eating a bunch of, you know, birds and, and insects and stuff. And 
he starts to kind of babble, uh, essentially about wanting to obtain their life force. And so anyway, this person becomes a little bit more important later on, but you get introduced to all these characters kind of just like at once. Mm -hmm. And as this is starting to going on, you have, um, as Renfield is starting to go a little bit more crazy, you also start to notice that Lucy starts seeing, seeming sick. Now, for whatever reason, you have uh, Dr. Seward and Quincy Morris, who are still remarkably good friends with Lucy and Mina, even though Dr. Seward and Quincy were both turned down for their marriage proposals. But they're still really good friends. And they start to notice, along with Arthur Holmwood, that Lucy is seeming sick. And so Dr. Seward starts to look after her. And the more he looks after her, and she gets sicker and sicker and sicker. And finally, what he does is he calls his old professor, Abraham Van Helsing. Yes, this is the Van Helsing from the early 2000s movie, Van Helsing. He is the same Van Helsing that pretty much everyone knows who he is. But like Dracula, we, nobody really has any idea where he came from. Yeah, and he's much less dashing in this version than Hugh Jackman was in that uh, movie adaptation. You know, he's a doctor and he's, you know, a pretty cool dude and he's pretty smart, but you know, he's definitely no Hugh. Yeah. Can, can we just say on the record that there's probably nobody more dashing than Hugh Jackman? He can sing, he can act, he can really do whatever you need. Yep. Agreed. But anyway, so, um, Abraham Van Helsing, he starts to look after Lucy and he notices that she seems to be losing a lot of blood. She has a lot of the symptoms of somebody losing a lot of blood. And, Abraham Van Helsing is very familiar with vampires and the supernatural. So he starts to notice that Dracula has actually been stalking Lucy. And as they go on, they're trying to protect Lucy. So he's, he's like lining her apartment with garlic and he's giving her all these different things to try to repel Dracula. Well, in the end, um, all of his work comes to no avail and... Lucy dies and she has been infected with the vampiric gene and what happens is that what Van Helsing does in order to stop her from converting to a full vampire he puts a golden cross on her head um, as she's dead but what happens is one of Lucy's servants ends up stealing the golden cross which lets the vampiric gene fully germinate and Lucy actually became a vampire and then we have really one of the more morbid uh, happenings in all of the book is now that she's a vampire all of her former lovers and friend best friend go on and they actually go down to hunt Lucy eventually catching up with her beheading her and stuffing her mouth with garlic after of course stabbing her through the heart um, and all of this was done in an effort to send her soul to heaven so very unfortunate uh, for Lucy and for really everyone uh, at that moment very serious double tap Yep. And and then what happens is right after they die, who should show up but Jonathan Harker? He's back. He's back. He just he shows up and this group who have all interacted with Dracula and been on the receiving end of some of his evil, they decide that it's time to take this guy down. So they get together and Arthur Holmwood, who has significant resources, he starts to pool together all these people and they start to go after Dracula. They hunt down 49 of his 50 um, locations of his 50 layers and they put um, part of the sacrament bread 
from a Christian church service and they put it in his coffin. And what that does, it renders it completely useless to Dracula. He can't touch it. He can't get in it. He can't move the bread out. It's completely contaminated to him because it's now something that's holy and he's something that's not holy. So they destroy 49 of his layers. Yeah, and then at that point, they notice that Dracula flies the coop with his last coffin. And instead of, and, and they realize that he's going back to Transylvania uh, because he only had one coffin left and he cannot sustain his powers without it. So what he does is he flies back to uh, Transylvania and instead of just taking it lying down, all of these people, this group, uh, this motley crew, if you will, actually goes and hunts him down in Transylvania. So when they show up in Transylvania, they go to the castle and they go inside. And at that point, a really awesome battle happens between Van Helsing and the Three Sisters, uh, which is nothing like the battle that Hugh Jackman had with the Three Sisters at the beginning of the Van Helsing movie. Um, but the same result still happened. He winds up killing uh, all three of the vampire sisters. boy Abraham. Yep. And they... Uh, and then at this point, they're like, where is Dracula? And it turns out that Dracula had an alliance with a whole bunch of gypsies, naturally, as you would. And those gypsies had actually come in and grabbed the coffin that he was in. So he really needed to recuperate. He was in the coffin. They take him, and then these people kind of split up into three different teams. And then these teams went and totally took out the gypsies. And as they're, they're taking out the gypsies, Quincy was seriously wounded. But at the very end... Um, between a combo stab so Jonathan cuts the throat of Dracula and then Quincy stabs him through the heart effectively killing um, Dracula and then Dracula he crumbles into dust which we don't know why Lucy didn't not adequately explained but that happened and Dracula dies and then later because from his wounds Quincy dies um, very sad Arthur and Mina are married and they actually named their um, they named their child after all of these people who had gone on this adventure with them, but they in- inevitably give him the the first name of Quincy. Yeah, so just to kind of you know go even further on that, the very last part of the book you know is written in these letters format, and one is a letter from seven years later, and like Kevin said, all of these events had then happened, and then the book ends. Now, I think that, you know, really looking at that and trying to ask myself why this is such a classic is, you know, uh, Mary Shelley started a lot of it with writing Frankenstein, but that was, you know, 70 or 80 years before um, Dracula was written. But Dracula really, even though that Bram Stoker did not invent the concept of a vampire, um, he really helped this myth take hold. And again, you know, with the kind of the timing of uh, books and you know the availability of them to uh, to really everybody at this point even though that it was published in England copies went throughout the world uh, started to get really popular and it did it did for sure inspire the vampire culture that we see today hashtag go Buffy yeah Buffy the Vampire Slayer is amazing so if you haven't watched that right after this podcast listen to another podcast by us but after that Check out Buffy the Vampire Slayer if you haven't if you haven't seen it. But I thought it was so interesting that I heard this story of Dracula, and once I'd finished it, I realized I didn't I hadn't heard this story at all. All the Dracula stories I've heard maybe had elements of this, but they never were the same story. And it's possible I'm just very unobservant. But I had never fully heard this Dracula story, and I thought it was so interesting 
to finally hear it, you know, in its original format. And to me, that was something really exciting because like Jeff said, there's a huge vampire culture with Twilight, Vampire Diaries, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, pretty much like I said at the very beginning of our show, the month of October is like if, if we had a mayor of Halloween Town and that wasn't the dude with two faces, it would have been one of the vampires because that just makes sense. Hotel Transylvania. Hotel Transylvania. Yeah, this is like this, there's so much culture around vampires. They're just everybody in America. We know what vampires are, and we all have experiences with these movies and this other different media that has to do with vampires. So, bottom line, we would highly recommend this book. I think that everybody should should get this book not only because it's masterfully written, but because you kind of get to the heart of where all of this started. Um, so, we would definitely recommend you reading it and uh you know taking the story and it does make you sound really cool at these halloween parties kevin i always love talking about you know the real stories and <laughs> you know we will talk about frankenstein one of these days and let me tell you that is a story that i wish that they would spend a little bit more time on making that more true to the book but anyways thank you guys so much again we encourage you to please uh if you like this podcast please tell your friend uh you know, please download another episode, uh, give us a like on Facebook or throw us a comment. We want to know what you guys are reading and we want to know what you guys also think uh, thought about this book and as well, any feedback on the podcast. So that's our, that's our encouragement. And thank you for being a part of our community and don't forget to live your story. Thanks guys.